Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Well, I'm excited to share the Word of God with you today, and we're going to be continuing a series that we began last week. On Vision Sunday a few weeks ago, I shared the vision that God has laid on my heart for us as a church in 2021 and beyond. And that vision was building for the future. We believe that God's going to do great and mighty things within the life of Gateway Church. He has given us a promise that the latter days will be greater than the former days. We've seen God move in incredible ways in the past within our church, but I believe that the best days are ahead of us. And we believe that this is an opportunity for us as a church for a fresh start. We want to follow God's leading and see his plans and see his purposes come to pass within the life of our church and within your life as well. And so the first way in which we're going to build for the future is we're going to build the corporate altar. This is something that we began, I began sharing about last week and you can head over to our website or our YouTube channel to catch up with the first part of this message. But today we're going to continue with part two and, and this is something that Ezra did. In Ezra chapter three, verse two to three, we read this. It says, then Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, joined his fellow priests in Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. They began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. You know, after the people of God had been in exile for over 70 years, God calls this man Ezra to lead them out of captivity. And the first task that God had laid on Ezra's heart was to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But before Ezra gets the people to, to begin to rebuild the temple, the first thing that Ezra does was to build an altar. He built this place where all the people could come to worship God, to give thanks to God for all that he had done, and a place to come together to pray and lay down their lives afresh and say, God, here we are. We're ready to serve you and serve your plans and serve your purposes. That's the first thing that he did. And in the New Testament, we see that that altar is actually now the place of prayer. That's what the altar is for you and me. It is the place of prayer, the throne room of grace, which we can come to every single day because of what Jesus has done through his death and through his resurrection. And as we look to the future for us as a church, the first thing that we are going to do is to build the corporate altar. Before we start building ministries and programs and encouraging people and all these things, we want to lay the right foundation and we want to put God first. We want to seek God above all else because unless we put God first and unless we seek him and spend time praying, then we'll never know his presence with us. We'll never know his power in and through us to do all that he is calling us to do. And so last week I shared that the first thing that we are going to do as a church is we're going to restart the prayer meeting. And the prayer meeting is going to be the number one priority for us. This is the first way in which we're going to build the altar. We're going to build it as the main priority. The prayer meeting is going to be the main priority. And today I want to share the second part and how we're going to build this corporate altar. First of all, as I said, we're going to build it as the main priority. But the second way in which we're going to build it is we're going to build it as the main practice. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. It says they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. 
along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women and the brothers of Jesus. Here in Acts chapter 1, we see that the disciples, the early church, after Jesus had rose again from the dead, after he ascended into heaven, they went to Jerusalem and they were waiting in this upper room because Jesus had told them to wait in this upper room until the promise of the Holy Spirit came. He said, before you go out and tell other people about me that I'm alive, before you do that, wait in the upper room because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you power to go and be my witnesses. And so we see here in Acts chapter 1 that the, the disciples, they obeyed the commandments of Jesus with Mary, the mother of Jesus, with Jesus' brothers and with other women as well. They all came together, about 120 of them in total in this upper room. They were hiding away actually in this upper room in Jerusalem because they were afraid of persecution because they were followers of Jesus. They were afraid of what the Romans might do to them. And so they were hiding in this upper room. But you know, the Bible tells us there that what they were doing in that upper room, they weren't just waiting for this, for the Holy Spirit to come. The Bible tells us that they were constantly united in praying. In other words, they individually, they made prayer a priority for them, but corporately as well, prayer was a priority for them. Together, they prayed. And they didn't just say nice little prayers or read a prayer off a sheet, where, which some people do. These were heartfelt prayers. These were sincere prayers. They were calling upon God and they were constantly praying and seeking the Lord. You know, a little further on in the book of Acts, as I said, as they were praying, the Holy Spirit came. In Acts chapter 2, we read about that. As they were praying, worshipping God, the Holy Spirit was outpoured and they were filled with power. They began to speak in new tongues and they went out in the power of the Spirit and began to share about Jesus. About 3,000 people, the Bible tells us, got saved on that day, came to know Jesus, became Christians. And that day, the church was born. And then a little later on in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read this. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We see the early church. This was a priority for them to come together to pray. They devoted themselves to pray. Whenever they were together, they prayed. Have you ever wondered why? Why did they pray so much? Why was prayer so important for the early church? And why is prayer so important for you and I today? All these years later, these thousands of years later, why is prayer still a priority for us? You know, many people might think that prayer is boring, that prayer is outdated, or maybe even that prayer is just for, for the older generation. Why is prayer so important? And why should we make this the main practice for us as a church going forward? Well, I believe the Bible shows us there are many reasons why we should pray, and especially pray together. But today I just want to share two reasons why we should pray, why we should constantly pray, why prayer should be our main practice And the first reason is, is because when we pray, it helps us to realign our lives. You know, it's so important for you and I as followers of Jesus to constantly remember who we belong to and whose will we are to carry out. I think sometimes we can forget that as Christians. Sometimes we forget that actually Jesus isn't just our saviour who saved us from our sins, but Jesus is Lord of our lives as well. Sometimes I think we can pretend that our God is just like a genie in a lamp who will request our wishes and do what we want to do. Sometimes we ask God to carry out our will. But you know, when we come to the place of prayer, when we pray, 
We are reminded of who we belong to. We're reminded of the awesomeness of our God. How Our God is sovereign over all. We're reminded that he is the King of Kings, the resurrected King, the Lord of Lords. And when we pray, we remember that. But you know, when we don't pray, we can forget that so often. And we can ask God to come and do things within our own lives. You know, the reality is we can all fall into this trap. I've fallen into this trap saying, God, will you do this in my life? Will you bless me? But actually, we must remember who is Lord. There is only one Lord. There is only one Savior and his name is Jesus. And he doesn't go about trying to do our will. But he calls us to lay down our lives, to follow him and to see his will being done. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? We see the call of every follower of Jesus is to lay down our lives. It's to say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. It's to give up our lives and ask Jesus to come into our lives, to die to self and to live for God. Because actually when we do that, that's when we'll experience the real life. That's when we'll experience life to the full. That's when we'll experience the life that God has for you and for me. And the call of Jesus still to us today is not for him to come and do things for us, but it's for us to lay down our lives and to follow him. And you know, the altar the place of prayer is actually the place of consecration where we come and we lay down our lives, where we remember who he is, where we focus on who Jesus is and we surrender our lives, where we receive his new life, receive his direction and receive his will for our lives. You see, when we don't pray, when we don't spend time praying and calling upon God and when we don't pray as a church, we actually become selfish and we become a selfish people. We ask God to do things for us instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do for you? How can I serve you? How can I minister to other people? How can I encourage others? That's what happens when we don't pray. We become selfish. You know, there's this constant battle that's going on between us, uh, between our selfish nature and, and trying to do the things of God, following the Holy Spirit's leading. But if we want to follow God's will, if we want to lay down our lives, if we want to realign our lives and follow Jesus, then we must come to the place of prayer. Because in our place of prayer, that's where we refocus, where we can realign our lives, where we can re-surrender our lives and say, Lord, let your will be done. And that's why the early church prayed. They wanted to see Jesus's will being done. They didn't want to do anything for themselves or create their own thing. They wanted to see God's plan and purposes come to pass. And it's the same for us today because it's Jesus's church. We are his church. We are his people. We are to carry out his mission. And so I want to encourage us today. And I believe the Lord would encourage us that we should come to the place of prayer because that's where we realign our lives and realize who we belong to and who we serve. Let's today surrender afresh to his lordship, to his plans and to his purposes. But you know, the second reason why we should come together and pray, it's not only so that we can realign our lives, refocus on Jesus, but actually it's so we can grow spiritually as well. You know, when we pray, when we come together to pray individually, but also when we come together to pray, we grow stronger together and we also grow closer to the Lord. You know, the Lord Jesus modeled this, the importance of spending time with his heavenly father, as we are to do with our heavenly father as well. Jesus made that possible. But listen to what it says, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. Before daybreak the next morning, 
Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he travelled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. You know, one morning of prayer gave Jesus a whole day of authority. That time that he spent with his heavenly father changed everything. Not only did Jesus have this authority over the flesh, over the voices of the world, over principalities of darkness. We see there he cast out demons. Jesus has the authority over that. But he received his authority in that place of prayer. He received that as he spent time with his father. But also we see Jesus had an assurance of his mission as well. Jesus knew exactly where he was going, what he was going to do. And he received that in the place of prayer. You know, you and I don't have to wander around trying to figure out what are we supposed to do each day and, and, you know, just make up our own plans. But God's got a specific task for you. He's got a specific purpose for you. And you can step into that mission in the place of prayer. That's where we receive the call of God for our lives and the mission that God has for us. And, you know, the early church showed us this also, that they received their mission corporately together in the place of prayer. You know, as I said, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see in the day of Pentecost, they were together waiting on the promises of God and the church was born. They went out in the power of the Spirit preaching about the resurrected Jesus and people came to find Jesus as the Lord and Saviour. The apostles, when they were wondering about who to assign as different leaders, they sought the, the face of God together. They spent time praying and calling upon God and God led them. You know, God began to lead them. In Acts chapter 4, when, when they were under, under persecution because they were preaching about Jesus, the church came together and they prayed and the power of God came and they began to go and preach boldly. You know, that's where the power of God is. If we want to do ministry effectively, if we want to carry out the will of God and see his mission come to pass, if we want to know the power of God in our church, in and through our lives, if we want to see his plans come to pass, then we're going to need to come together and pray. You know, I love this quote from Pastor Jim Simbler, who's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. He said this, the apostles had this instinct. When in need, pray. When in trouble, pray. When intimidated, pray. When challenged, pray. When persecuted, pray. The early church constantly prayed. And when they prayed together, that's when they grew stronger together and also they grew closer to the Lord. They know the presence of God. God came by his spirit and moved in and through their lives. And that's what happened with you and me as well. When we come together to pray, yes, when we pray individually, but there's something special about when the people of God unite together to pray as well. God moves in different ways, in powerful ways when he prays. And we're going to look at that in a series in a couple of weeks time. But God will move powerfully in our lives. We'll grow stronger in our relationship, in our walk with the Lord. We'll grow stronger spiritually as a church and we'll grow closer to the Lord. You know, our number one value as a church is that we'll be a presence of God church. And if we want to know the presence of God, then we need to come together, not only to worship him and hear his word, but we need to pray together as well. And so as we come to a conclusion today of this message, my prayer for us at Gateway Church Cymru is that we would build a corporate altar as our main practice that the prayer, place of prayer would be constant within our lives and within the life of our church. We'd always be praying that the prayer meeting would be a priority and something that we are always doing. It's one of our main values as a church, that we're a praying church. 
And that's just not for, for our website. There's a statement on our website. We want to be a praying church because when we pray, that's when we see God respond and God move in miraculous ways. And I believe that when we pray individually and corporately, we'll see the power of God released. If you want to see the power of God released within your life, you need to start praying, calling upon the Lord. If we want to see the power of God released within the life of our church, if we want to see the promise of God come to pass, if we want to see Abraham changed and Abadir changed and our homes changed, our workplaces, the schools changed, children, people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, if we want to see the miraculous taking place, then we're going to need to come together and pray and make it our main practice. And you know, when we do that, we see that promise that Jesus says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, We'll see God do even greater, immeasurably more than we could have ever asked or imagined according to his power that is a work in us. You know, God builds his house. God builds his people in the place of prayer. So Gateway Church Camry, let's make the corporate altar our main practice as a church. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.